Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Or Lean's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 655. We'll start off with kind of an unusual bird story. According to a piece in our great hometown newspaper, the Boston Globe, mechanics at a Pep Boys Auto Parts and car repair shop in New Hampshire opened the hood of a car the other day to do an oil change. But wait, there's more. When they opened the hood, they discovered not just an engine block and a bunch of wiring, they found a bird that we talked about a bit last week. This bird. Yes, an eastern screech owl perched on the engine there. They named the bird... Shazam! Right, Gomer. Shazam, apparently because its appearance seemed like a magic trick. They said the owl was lethargic, though, so it was transported to a wildlife rehabilitation center. By the way, unlike the gray phase screech owl that our Mike O'Connor found roosting in his backyard bird box last week, this one was a red phase screech owl. But, Mike, you might want to pop the hood on your car before your next trip down the Mid-Cape Highway, just in case. That is our mystery bird. It's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming up later in the show. We want to make sure you're ready. We'll even give you the phone number now in case you want to jot it down. So you'll be sure to be ready. That's 781-837-4900. Don't call now, but we'll do the contest a little later. So here are some uh, clues to our mystery bird. It's a medium-sized diver. We're very diver... um, oriented in the last few shows here today is no exception this bird is often seen on small lakes and ponds the male's head chest back and rear end are black with gray sides and a white stripe up the shoulder it has a bump or peak at the back of the head the adult male's bill sports an easily seen white ring both the common name and the scientific name colaris refer to one of this bird's most inconspicuous field marks In other words, it's another of those birds whose name doesn't exactly fit its appearance, kind of like the black duck, which isn't really black, and the red-bellied woodpecker, which doesn't exactly really have a red belly. So, anyway, that's our mystery bird. We're going to give away some fabulous prizes, including a Droll Yankees Observer window feeder, two bags of delicious birds and beans, shade-grown bird-friendly coffee, and a four-pack of Audubon Park Wild Bird Food Bird Bells. So we're in the spirit here in the season and offering some wonderful prizes on our upcoming Mystery Bird Contest. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. We all know mistletoe, and it's the season for it, but have you ever seen a mistle thrush? Well, folks up in the Canadian province of New Brunswick this week have been enjoying sightings of this extremely rare avian visitor, usually found in Europe and Asia and North Africa. 
The American Birding Association says it may be the first ever North American sighting of this species. Thanks to our friend Trevor Fletcher. Up in Toronto, we have a link to a video piece about it on our page that uh, Trevor sent to us. What else? Is Alexa ready to help you learn bird calls? Yes, according to National Audubon's website, we'll connect you to their story about that. And our Debbie Bleacher claims she was late for work on Tuesday because a flock of wild turkeys slowed her commute. Now she's presented photographic proof, and we're sharing it right there on our Facebook page. Some of what we have for you on our page this week, you can find some of those stories uh, through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Just a reminder, the Christmas bird counts all across America, North America, and even beyond continue through Friday, January 5. So chances are pretty good that you can still find one near you. It's a wonderful, fun thing to do, and you become a citizen scientist in doing it, too, contributing to some important information about bird trends and bird conservation. Uh, if it's new to you, just go to christmasbirdcount.org to read all about it and then look for where it says join the Christmas Bird Count. christmasbirdcount.org This is kind of a conservation irony uh, this week. China has reportedly launched the first ever all-electric cargo ship. Certainly sounds good, but why is it ironic? Well, because according to news agency China Daily, the ship will be used primarily to transport coal. So the world apparently now has a ship that can claim zero emissions, even though it is powered by electricity generated by burning one of the dirtiest of fossil fuels and will be used to transport coal more cheaply. Hey, we'd like to say uh, hello and thank you to our newest Talking Birds ambassador, and that is Lindsay G. from Mishawaka, Indiana, the princess city on the St. Joseph River. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Lindsay. And now about 175 other listeners in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program to hand out some of our info cards to your friends and associates and spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. Easy to do and easy to sign up for. Click on the Contact button at TalkingBirds.com and just choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, the great Nick Lund, a.k.a. The Birdist, will be here with another of his Birdist's Rules of Birding, this one entitled, Go Find Yourself a Bufflehead. Nick will have some interesting comments about this beautiful little sea duck and some other ducks, too. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. The topic, how and why to make your own vegetarian suet. And up next, a bird whose very name speaks of the season we're about to enter is today's Talking Birds, featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. He's very small, but very loud. Pound for pound, ten times more powerful than a... crowing rooster. He's one of the few birds with a season in his name. The season which we're about to enter. A mostly dark brown bird with a short tail that's often cocked upward and a thin pointed bill. He's called Troglodyte de Forêt in French and Chochen Irnal in Spanish, 
We know him best as the Winter Wren. The Wren, the Wren, the king of all birds. Stevens's day was hot in the furs. Though he was little, his honor was great. Jump up, be boys, and give us a train. That's a little bit of the wonderful Irish tune known as the Wren Song. About the Wren as an unwitting and unfortunate partner in a St. Stephen's Day hunting ritual. Happily, that ritual now involves a hunt for an artificial wren. And here in the U.S., all wrens, along with many other bird species, are protected by the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, which is also in effect in Great Britain, as well as Mexico, Japan, and Russia. The winter wren breeds primarily in coniferous forests from British Columbia east to the Atlantic coast, migrating through and wintering across southeastern Canada and the eastern half of the U.S. By the way, more than 80 species of wren live in North and South America, and only one wren species occurs in the rest of the world. That would be the Eurasian wren. The winter wren's habit of disappearing into crevices while hunting for insects or to roost explains its genus scientific name, Troglodytes, which translates to cave dweller. And the species name, Hyrnalis, means winter. Troglodytes Hyrnalis, the winter wren, is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 655. Please do visit our website, TalkingBirds.com, and do follow us, if you can, on uh, Facebook and Twitter, at Talking Birds. Well, yes, winter is uh, almost here officially. It's already here, you know, uh, practically here in uh, in eastern Massachusetts, right? We're in the 20s today. So what's the one of the most serene and beautiful outdoors pastimes in the winter? Why, it's looking at ducks, like buffleheads. For example, those beautiful little divers from way up north, down here in the lower 48 in the winter months. And who better to talk about these beautiful birds than the one, the only... The Birdist. Yes, The Birdist, a.k.a. Nick Lund, host of his own wonderful site, thebirdist.com, and creator of The Birdist's Rules of Birding at Audubon.org. His rule number 106 is go find yourself a buffalhead. And he is here to tell us how. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Ray. How you doing? Uh, doing well. We're indoors and uh, keeping warm here. I forgot that it's not officially winter yet. That, that seems ridiculous. I think we need to change that, that as a be. society because it, it, is, it is winter. Yeah, I think you're right about that. The, well, the, the birds know it's winter, right? They're usually well, they, a, well ahead of us. They do, absolutely. And that's, you know, uh, for us humans, winter is not good. <laughs> I don't think. It's a time for complaining. In the brief moment I was speaking with your producer before I came on, we were complaining about the cold and the weather, mm -hmm. and um, there are, you know, few good things, I think, for us about winter, <laughs> except these ducks that come down, except yeah. winter ducks. I like that quote. Oh. Winter is not good. It's not, it's not good. We try. I grew up in New England. I'm down here in D.C. Mm -hmm. now where it's a little warmer, but I remember that slog that, uh, yeah. you know, your car doesn't start and you're slipping on ice and you got mm -hmm. bundled up. No, it's not good. Well, this rule but is really a, a defense of ducks, uh, Nick, uh, in a way. As you say, they don't get the respect that they need, and you point out that they can't even put on a pair of pants, it says here. And as proof they of can't. that... Uh, uh, if you click the word pair, you have a link there. It takes you to a picture of Donald Duck, and sure yeah. enough, he does not wear pants. I never realized that before. 
He doesn't. He, he doesn't wear pants. The ducks are apparently renowned in our popular culture for being inappropriate dressers. Wow! And just uh, I don't know if they they leave the house too quick or they just <laughs> pants don't fit their little weird butts. Uh, I'm not sure what how that came about. Mm. But you know, ducks don't get a lot of respect. They're not sort of the uh, majestic. Uh, birds that we're used to, um, but but they're overlooked. And I think the uh, birder, especially in winter, when there's really not a lot else to do, um, has a great opportunity to get up close and personal with a whole suite of ducks uh, that we don't get in the summer uh, that are really beautiful birds uh, and with cool life histories and worth spending some time going to see. Um, Buffleheads are my favorite of that small group. Um, they are a, the, you know, the cutest duck, right? They are the like cutest a, duck. A third the size of a mallard, I think you said. Yeah, they're they're tiny little ducks. They're um, I guess smaller than ruddy duck, which is another really small one we have. Hmm. But um, buffleheads are these tiny little ducks with these big fat heads um, that uh, sort of bounce around in our open water here in the winter time, and they're just an entertaining to watch, uh, and they're and they're cool birds. And they're one that we can all find, you know, on the coldest of days um, out there along our, the coast and, uh, and any really open water around. Yeah, and pretty easy to identify, right? Sure. Yeah, they are easy, which is, which makes it, which is helpful for, for birders who, uh, you know, it may be too cold to look through your binoculars and we're going to want to study ID points. So these buffleheads, so first of all, they're small, which is helpful. Um, and then they're black and white. Uh, so the males uh, and females both differ in plumage. They're both black and white. The males are very easily identified. Like I said, they have this big, fat head. Um, they get their name um, from an old word you know, meaning buffalo. So they sort of, their heads look like sort of buffalo heads. And so that's where buffalo head comes from. Um, but males have sort of uh, black bodies but with a black head and a big white patch on sort of the back half of it. Um, so... Uh, you look out, I think it sort of looks like a big black and white Pac-Man, uh, their head <laughs> out there. And so when you look out, you see the males uh, bobbing around black and white with a big, you know, Pac-Man on their head. And then the females, which are, you know, will be in the same small flock with the males, are generally, you know, black or dark brown all over with a little white patch um, right behind their eye. And mm -hmm. so it's another easily identified bird. And so um, if you don't want to spend too much time shivering out there, you can still tell a bufflehead from a good distance. Go find a bufflehead. And th that black head is not really black either, right? If we get the right light on it, on the male bufflehead. Yeah. yeah, right. It's not something that you see very uh, often because uh, buffheads generally stay a little further away from shore because they're diving ducks than, you know, dabblers. But if you are able to get up close and personal, you see that it's, that it's actually not black, but really an iridescent green color. Mm. Uh, a very pretty sheen um, if you can catch it in the right light. And one cool thing, too, or another cool thing is that really in the wintertime, you can see buffleheads in the whole, any place in the U.S. pretty much, and even down into Mexico, right? Yeah. Um, you know, buffleheads breed uh, up in the high, you know, in Canada and in the Rockies and things like that. Um, but in the winter, they really grace us with their presence. Um, they come down, they're all here along the East Coast where I am. Uh, through the Great Lakes, up into Washington, Oregon, California, and then right down into Mexico, and I think Cuba as well. Mm. Um, they they really uh, they really you know like I said, nobody likes the winter, and they all want to go find somewhere else <laughs> to be. They're not nesting right now, but people are maybe surprised to learn that uh, well some other ducks as well, but uh, um, 
buffleheads actually nest in trees. And there's kind of a yeah. wild way that the fledglings leave the nest because they can't even fly when they leave, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, uh, a lot some ducks like to nest on the ground in reeds and things, and that's fine for them, but a little dangerous. And so buffleheads yeah. have figured out a way to keep their eggs safer, which is by flying up into tree cavities. They, they prefer ones actually used by northern flickers and, and pileated if they can find them. Um, and so, you know, that's great. They're, they have a safe way of laying their eggs, but they are faced with this problem when the babies are born of, uh, they get to get out of the tree, which is, you know, some stories up in the, into the tree. So they just, they just jump. Babies just jump <laughs> and uh, just bounce off the ground, and then, and then they're fine, generally. Pretty awesome. All right, and this is a really interesting mating ritual. Most birds, I guess, do have one. We, if we wait till late winter, we might be able to get a, a glimpse of that, right? Yeah, they, um, they, you know, are aggressive, and uh, they will uh, bob their heads around, these big buffle heads, you know, dancing around in the water. They'll chatter. They'll do this, like, hop-rowing maneuver and, and uh, fly around. Um it's love. Uh, spring is the time for love in the air, and uh, we get to see it just as we ourselves are warming up and looking forward to uh, to getting out of winter. Mm-hmm. Rule number 106. Go find yourself a bufflehead. Nick Lund, a.k.a. The Birdist, is the creator of The Birdist's Rules of Birding at Audubon.org and his own website, TheBirdist.com. The only birding site I know, Nick, that features pictures of Kim Jong-un hoisting binoculars... <laughs> Probably in the midst of matching his late father's feat of seeing every bird species on Earth without right, leaving North Korea. Day, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. He was an amazing birder. Happy holidays, Nick. We'll talk to you again soon. You too, Ray. Thanks a lot. Bye. Nick Lund, a.k.a. The Birdist, here on Talking Birds, where our mystery bird contest comes along in just one minute. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry, I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Our mystery bird contest is sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. By the way, to participate in our mystery bird contest, all you have to do is, you know, listen to our show live. And there's an easy way to do that, and that is to do it uh, online. Just go to TalkingBirds.com and see how easy it is to do that. Here is the sound of our mystery bird. Tell us what that bird is or take a guess. No correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. The number is 781-837-4900. Clues in a moment. Our prizes first, a Droll Yankees Observer window feeder. That's the kind that attaches right to your kitchen window or any window you like to attach it to. Stays on there securely, and you can see those birds up close and personal 
with nothing between you and the birds except the window. Bonus prizes, two 12-ounce bags of delicious birds and beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee, plus a four-pack of Audubon Park Wild Bird Food Bird Bells. They attract finches and sparrows and juncos and cardinals and towies and quails and doves and buntings. All right, our mystery bird is a medium-sized diver, often seen on small lakes and ponds. It's not a bufflehead, by the way. The male's chest, head, back, and rear end are black with gray sides and a white stripe up the shoulder. It has a bump or peak at the back of the head. The adult male's bill sports an easily seen white ring. Both a common name and scientific name, Colaris refer to one of the bird's most inconspicuous field marks. That's a bunch of clues and the sound of our mystery bird. Tell us what it is or take your guess at 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, vegetarian suet. Mm, We'll find out all about it. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Our friends at Audubon Park remind us that they're counting on us. It's the time of year when birds really need nutritious, high-energy food to help them cope with cold weather. Look for Audubon Park wild bird food and be confident that you're providing the proper nutrition for your backyard visitors. Audubon Park is family-owned and food safety certified. And for the best photos, news, alerts, and more, sign up for Audubon Park's free e-newsletter sent to your inbox once a month. Sign up at AudubonPark.com. That's AudubonPark.com. Now a word from Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Down on Cape Cod, Mike O'Connor has a big backyard where right now uh, Cooper's hawks are a little problem, I believe. Let's find out about it and also about, um, well, veg- veg- vegetarian suet. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough for you to say. Isn't Not, it? <laughs> I thought that was an easy one, but it didn't uh, turn out that way. I understand you have established a vegetarian suet hotline. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. Call for your favorite veggie recipe. Yeah. <laughs> Operators are standing by now. One rainy Yeah, I tell, as um, you know, I, I tell a lot of bird stuff, and one of the more popular ones is, uh, is suet for birds, and birds really like that, especially the woodpeckers. But uh, I have a little conflict since I'm a vegetarian. I feel a little conflicted mm. offering beef suet when I don't eat it myself. So I stumbled upon this uh, a recipe on National Audubon's website. Maybe you can link that up on your Facebook page. So people can follow it. So what I did was I, I looked at it and I got the ingredients together. And it's pretty simple ingredients. It's just some bird seed and some cornmeal, um, some like Crisco, a little peanut butter. And, and you mix them together. And I did it right in, you know, at home the other night with, with my wife. And it was easy because she did most of the work. Um, <laughs> but you, what you do is you mix this all together. And then you put it into, um, they suggested, um, ice trays, which... <laughs> I didn't even know they still made ice trays. Because the last 10 years, my refrigerator had those ice makers in them. But I took oh. some old plastic tubs, and I put this put this concoction in there and put it in the freezer, and it froze really nice, froze solid. It, it looks awful. It looks like 
spit tobacco juice when you're done. Mm. But when you take it out, it smells great because it's peanut butter. And I put it, <laughs> I took down the, the regular, put out with a regular sewer feeder, and I hung it out there. And I was a little nervous because I didn't know if they were going to come to it. Also, like I, you said earlier, this Cooper's hot keeping my birds nervous. Mm. But in the course of a few hours, the chickadees, the chipmunks showed up, a Carolina wren showed up, and I got a, I have a downy woodcocker that's been coming back and forth regularly. So. Um, I would recommend that. Two things. First of all, if you're a little bit, you know, if you want to, you know, get away from using animal products, this one might, might be a nice alternative. And also, it's kind of a fun family project with the holidays coming up, get people together, and you kind of make your own molds. A lot of people like to hang certain things out for the birds during the holidays, you know, like the, the little seed treats that you put out for the birds. So this might be kind of fun. You get it like a mold in the shape of a Christmas tree or a candy cane or a star, and then you put that up, maybe put a piece of yarn through there and hang that up. But the birds, uh, the birds are totally digging it. Um, it's good here where it's cold. Uh, on the recipe, they recommend not when the temperature gets above 50. So, you know, this is more of a winter project, especially in states that have winter. So you might want to consider that. But it smells great, and the birds are coming to it. And I'd recommend it, especially if you get somebody to make it for you like my wife did. Yeah, and don't forget to wash out those uh, ice cube trays after you make them. <laughs> hey, by the way, Mike, just wanted to mention our dear friend Marjorie from right here in Marshfield uh, said, looking forward to the show this morning. The birds are all back at the feeders, and she says Mike should be happy. Because you're selling a lot of bird seeds uh, right about now, right? Oh, Marjorie, I, I appreciate your concern. Yeah, for the when it was so mild, the birds weren't coming, and business was kind of slow. But I appreciate your concern, Marjorie, because you know I was I was out there looking for handouts for a while, but things have turned around. So uh, yeah, the birds are back, and it's more fun to watch birds now than it was a little while ago. All right, you, you, and you haven't doubled the prices despite the rumors that are going around. Right? <laughs> No, no, but I like to suggest it. See you next week, Mike. You got it. Okay, All right. bye-bye. Back at the Mystery Bird Contest. That is the sound of our mystery bird. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number to call. A medium-sized diver often seen on small lakes and ponds. The male's head, chest, back, and rear end are black, gray sides, white stripe up the shoulder. The adult male's bill sports an easily seen white uh, ring. Yeah. That would be the mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. We go to Susan in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Susan? Good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And what is our mystery bird, Susan? I don't... I'm not really sure, but I believe it's a kingfisher. A kingfisher. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a diver in a different kind of way. But it's, uh, oh, it's not a kingfisher. Thank you, Susan. Okay, but thank you, Ray. <laughs> Try this again. All right. How about if we go to uh, Heather in uh, Mount Airy, Maryland? Could we, uh, could we do that? All right, let's see. Good morning, Heather. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Nice to hear from you from Mount Airy, where I imagine it's a little bit warmer than it is here in Massachusetts. Uh, I don't know what it is there. It's probably in the 30s here. Yeah. So. Where are we, Tim? We're in the we're in the 20 zero, two zero, 20 degrees. Yikes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay for you to say. All right. <laughs> what about our mystery bird, Heather? What What do you uh, What do you say it is there? I'm going to say it is a ring-necked duck. Oh. It is uh, that that it, well, you know, it uh, it sort of is a ring-necked duck in terms of the appearance of the bird, but uh, 
Okay. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. No, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm mixed up here. Oh. I was so I was thinking so much about the fact that this bird is misnamed that I kind of misnamed yes. it myself uh, because it looks like it should be the ring-billed duck because it has that very clear uh, ring bill, uh, but it's called the ring-neck duck as a lot of people uh, know, not including me apparently. But uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, we're short on time. Stay on the line. We'll get your address and send you those beautiful prizes. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Heather. Yes, the ring-necked duck, it's a long story, is our mystery bird. That is our show for this week. We have some very special things planned for next week, including a live science corner. And by the way, check your local listings for a new NOVA program uh, that I believe is going to air this coming week all around the country. It's called Bird Brains, and it talks about how birds, as we've mentioned here on the show a number of times, are a lot smarter than we think they are. Uh, and smarter than some radio hosts. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Lean's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.